Hello to one talk here come the Pacific Waves from RNZ Pacific Nikoroy Hawkins. Coming up first, policies and measures that will benefit the people and the nation as a whole. Fiji's Prime Minister calls for unity as Parliament resumes. Also, we found no significant change with reference to severe tropical cyclones. Scientists puzzled by a study finding which found a decline in severe cyclones over the last four decades. And later on, our people are strong and brutal and physical and then really exciting players as well. Excitement building up ahead of the Super Rugby Pacific 2023 season. The Fijian Parliament sitting resumed today in Suva for 2023, the first session under the new three-party coalition government led by Sitiveni Rambuka. It began with the swearing-in of two new MPs on the opposition bench, a former assistant manager for youth and sports, Salipate Tuidolo, and Penyoni Rabunawa. It also follows resignations of former Fiji First Cabinet Ministers Mahendra Reddy and Rosie Akpa. Three senior opposition MPs have now stepped down, which includes former Attorney General Aya Said Kayum. In a wide-ranging opening statement for the new parliamentary term, Prime Minister Sitibini Rambuka stressed the need for both sides of the House to be united. He believes government and opposition had many differences, but they also share a common interest. And that is the welfare of our people and policies and measures that will benefit the people and the nation as a whole. There are many opportunities, Mr. Speaker, sir, for government and opposition to adopt a united approach on certain issues and jointly develop legislation and pursue other initiatives for the common good. The Prime Minister hopes to work together with the opposition leader, Frank Bainimarama, on policies to protect children, eliminate violence against women, improve services provided by local governments, alleviate poverty, as well as inspire the nation's sports people. He says the People's Coalition government will continue to ensure Fiji's democracy functions properly. Ramboka has announced several policy changes impacting civil servants since coming into power in late December. Some of these include increasing the retirement age from 55 years to 60 and removing contract-based appointments. He says these changes provide government workers long-term security, adding that consultations are ongoing for the full implementation of this policy. The policy which represents virtual permanent employment across the public service governed by the usual terms and conditions. We look forward to improve morale and productivity in the public service once this policy is fully implemented. Rambuka also pointed to recent revelations concerning senior executives' salary and benefits from certain public and state-owned enterprises that have been in the limelight. He says the disclosures have raised red flags and highlighted the need for greater scrutiny and accountability by executives and directors in these enterprises. He confirmed over 1,200 people applied to be on the boards of state entities after the government called for expressions of interest in January. It is imperative that the right people are appointed to boards on merits. Board membership must also reflect that dynamics of our population diversity. Shifting focus into regional and foreign relations, Rambuka says his priority is to rebuild regional unity. He says his meeting with Kiribati President Tanis Mamau last month was very successful. The aim was to find a path for Kiribati to rejoin the forum, the forum family after their withdrawal 
last year. A United Pacific Island Forum is better placed to protect the interests of our region. This is especially significant at a time of international maneuvering for big power influence in the Pacific and the common challenges we face, in, in particular the climate change problems. Sitiveni Rambuka has indicated that both leaders have agreed on various measures to improve and strengthen the Fiji-Kiribati bilateral relations. He also says working on mending Fiji's relations with the most successful example of regional cooperation, the University of the South Pacific, has taken off. The Fiji First Fijian government had withheld paying its dues to the USP and owes in excess of 80 million Fijian dollars to the institution. We will make an initial payment to begin reducing our significant debt left with the USP. And we will do that later this week. I'm glad the Vice Chancellor, Professor Paul Aluwalia, has returned to Fiji, Mr. Speaker, sir, and I look forward to meeting him later this week. Meanwhile, the opposition leader, Frank Bainimarama, says today's Fiji does not follow the rule of law. It is a Fiji where the Prime Minister, his Attorney General and his Ministers do not follow the Constitution, which brought them to this Parliament in the first place. They make their rules and disregard the law as and when it suits them. Bainimarama says Rambuka's coalition is acting against the spirit of the Constitution. He claims the Chief Justice has been suspended for frivolous matters and independent constitutional officers forced to resign or suspended with no regard for due process. We have intelligent, diligent and professional civil servants removed, terminated, suspended and sidelined without rhyme or reason or due process. We have our regulatory processes being eroded and illegal directives are issued because ministers, their political cronies and newly appointed civil service believe that their interests supersede the law. The former Prime Minister also claims freedom of expression is under threat and people are worried to speak openly. He also claims the president, as the commander-in-chief of the military forces, also failed to protect the constitution and provide proper guidance to the military. I appeal to the rank and file of the RFMF to preserve their manner, to maintain their credibility and their calling and not forsake their constitutional role. I also wish to inform RFMF that its gift and legacy, the Fijian constitution, is being ignored and best on a daily basis, and the current Prime Minister wants what the RFMF works so hard for, removed. Fiji's parliament sitting continues until Friday. The reporting for this piece was done by Kelvin Anthony. A new study on climate change in the Pacific says there's been a decline in severe tropical cyclones over the last 40 years in the southwest Pacific. The report by the Pacific Community Organization released last week looked at historical data from 15 Pacific nations. One of the authors of the study, Simon McGree, says it was not what the researchers expected to find. We found no significant change with reference to severe tropical cyclones, and we didn't find an increase in the proportion of severe tropical cyclones in the southwest Pacific. And we expected to find statistically significant positive trends. Caleb Fotheringham speaks with tropical cyclone expert Dr. Savin Chan from Victoria's Federation University about the report's findings. The study actually uses 40 years of data and generally when you're trying to use a short-term record, you know, 30, 40 years at a climate scale is, is not very long. So when you try to use 
short-term records to sort of look at long-term trends. There can be variations between studies, between data sets you use. I think the study uses the Australian Bureau of Meteorology data set. A couple of earlier studies that use uh, different sources, for example, uh, international best track, IB tracks, data sources, they call it. So generally, most of the studies have seen in the Southwest Pacific and other places globally that there has been a decline in tropical cyclone numbers over the past several decades. And one of my studies where we looked at a century, a bit more than century long trend in tropical cyclone numbers. And we have seen generally there has been a decline in tropical cyclone numbers over the past century even. So when you look at the whole frequency of tropical cyclones, there has been a decline. But if you try to look at a subset of data, say past 30, 40 years of data, there may not be a strong trend. And the reason is basically, even if you go down to regional scale, there's a large natural variability year-to-year variability, multi-decadal variability, which sort of masks those trends. So the general consensus is that the tropical cyclone numbers are going to decrease with warming. But the intensity of tropical cyclones are going to go up. So that's, that's the general narrative, which is among the tropical cyclone communities. In other words, the tropical cyclones, if they come, they're, li- they're likely to become more severe. So this is 40 years, and what I'm gathering from what you're saying is that this is too short a time period to accurately predict what is going to happen to severe tropical cyclones. Is that correct? Exactly. And, you know, the satellite operation, most of the data became reliable in the Pacific and elsewhere from 1970s, 1980s. But even then, the methodology, the way we monitor tropical cyclones has evolved over time. Most of the studies are sort of indicating that if you really, you know, want to really look at tropical cyclone intensity data from 1980-1990 should be considered from 1990 onwards because that's when the methodology of estimating tropical cyclones from Dvorak techniques and all the other techniques that exist from 1990 onwards the technique became a bit more consistent and even the technology onboard satellite has changed over time as well now these new infrared sensors can pick even smaller systems so all these inconsistencies that can sort of in, in addition to short-term data records, how the measurements of tropical cyclones are done itself are going to contribute to some discrepancies in the results. But uh, the, the report itself sort of looks at 40 years of cyclone, does show decline in sort of numbers, slight decline, no change kind of thing in the southwest Pacific, which is fine. I mean, that, that's what the consensus is. And when that study looked at tropical cyclone severity, we also need to be careful of the metric that we use to interpret severity. So if you are looking at the counts, you know, the counts of severe cyclones, severe cyclones generally defined as, in our region, category 3 or up, not category 3, 4, and 5. And if you look at the counts and look at the trends, you may be getting sort of a decreasing trend, and that's something which studies have shown. But if you look at the mean intensity, you know, the mean changes in wind speed, there, there may be sort of an increasing over the period considered, increasing trend. So it's important to look at the, the metric as well that is used to interpret the results. If you just average tropical cyclone wind speed, 
say from 1980 to 2000 and then from 2000 to 2020, these two periods, you may see a different thing. So that, that's what I mean. The metric is very important. Dr. Chan was the main author of the report, Declining Tropical Cyclone Frequency Under Global Warming, shared in Nature Climate Change last year. Excitement is building up again for rugby fans across Aotearoa, New Zealand, with the Super Rugby Pacific pre-season campaign launched earlier this month. Having made their Super Rugby debut last year, there are high expectations for the Moana Pacifica team this time round. Despite losing to the Chiefs in their first pre-season game last Friday, 48-7, Moana Pacifica coach Aaron Major remains optimistic in his team's performance in the next pre-season game, as well as their first official match against the Fijian Dua later on this month. Susana Suisuiki spoke to Moana Pacifica team member Christian Lealifano and began by asking him what strength the team will bring into this year's Super Rugby Pacific campaign. Obviously our strengths is our game, eh? our, um, our people are strong and brutal and physical and then really exciting players as well. Yeah, I think there's some guys there, guys like Liwa, Mua, Danny Tawala, those kind of guys stand out. Um, Solomon Funaki, like those kind of guys, just seeing guys exposed at the level and showcasing our strengths. Um, those are the guys in my mind that showcase physicality, flair. Yeah all that kind of stuff and then I guess areas of improvement for us is, is probably just our set piece and just um, trying to um, solidify our game and the style we want to play. Yeah. Obviously we had real limited preparation time to try and put all that together and we're trying to figure it out on the run, mm. understanding how this guy plays and the next guy so um, yeah finding our identity and how we want to play as a team has been something that I think has been really cool to try and put together in, in pieces and have the time to do now yeah. so I think that'll hopefully um, yeah, put us in, in better shape. Um, yeah, our defence as well. So if we leak the most tries of um, Super Rugby, and that'll come from just, you know, your first time limited preparation, guys, um, the different bases of fitness and all that kind of stuff. So now that we've sort of got a foundation, we know where we can um, improve. Cool. Mm. Um, so one of your games will be held on up here. From a cultural perspective, what will that mean for the fans in Samoa? Hopefully um, it'll be so special for the fans. Yeah. I think um, for a team that's for the Pacific, um, to be able to see their team in real life, you know, not just on the TV, um, see their players and their stars face to face will be really special. And for us, it's going to be an amazing experience to be able to connect with people from Samoa and, and the islands and inspire them to, to see that there's a pathway for professional rugby and super rugby and there's a team that represents them. That's Specific Waves for today. Remember, you can download us for free to your device from Spotify, iHeart or Apple Podcasts. And if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so others can also find us. Look at me for next time. Around.